Welcome back to the Jackets Online podcast. It's been a hot minute. We've been hot on the camp trail and working and dealing with child illnesses and life and everything else in between. But I'm back with Russell Johnson. And, uh, you know, this past weekend was a huge weekend for us at uh, Jackets Online as we had the Rivals Camp in Atlanta. Uh, coming off the heels of what I called the Central Pennsylvania, South Central Pennsylvania camp, the aka the Philly camp, um, and then whatever else we've had in the last month, we had Indy, Indianapolis, and something before that one. So we, we've had a lot of camps. Uh, we've been camped out, and we're one week away from the first prospect camp at Georgia Tech, and. <laughs> Then a huge swath of camps, basically, um, throughout the rest of June. But I think the story right now, Russell's sort of been the lack of movement. Georgia Tech was one of the first schools with a lot of 2023 commits, and they said it's zero today. And not really anyone that's jumping to mind right now that's ready to make that call. Um, what have you made of this sort of weird dress bell for Georgia Tech with the 2023 class? I think if you were you were calling it a dry spell, I think there might be a wildfire by now in terms of the the drought and the dry air. Um, it, it's been a it's been a while. Uh, there's been such a a huge emphasis placed on the uh, recruiting in the transfer portal, um, getting kids in. Well, I guess you could still call them kids. They're probably still younger than me, but um, getting these guys from the transfer portal in on official visits. Um, trying to show them what what Georgia Tech can can offer them, you know, show them the city and um, try to lock down commitments from them. And then you know what they've been able to do with that. They you know they had some some in, they had some that were all in, 100% committed, and then 100% decommitted. And do <laughs> um, you had a lot of situations like that? I think especially on the defensive line. You had a couple guys who were expected to come in and compete in possible death pieces, and then um, both both Solomon Bird and um, Morris Joseph ended up elsewhere. Morris at Auburn somehow, and uh, then you had Solomon obviously with USC going back closer to home and uh, with his family and his wife. I just uh, I really like shoe and fit type of of. Uh, landing spot for him I mean the moment USC offered him I felt like that was that was an easy easy decision for him um but then you know like you said it's been a, a dry spell for 23 recruiting coaches have been on the road um Larry Knight if if you if you follow Georgia Tech recruiting on on Twitter and you look at the offers looks like he offered the entire class of 2026 in Maryland today so <laughs> uh, I mean the, the coaches are, are still on the road and, and recruiting I know uh, Chris Winkie has been out looking at quarterbacks, watching them throw, um, inviting kids to come to camp. Uh, there's been a lot of that going on. And um, more than typical for Georgia Tech at this point of the year, um, the last few weeks there have been quite a few, they will call them offers, like, you know, the kids will when they tweet them out, but really they're, they're invitations to come and camp. And that's just what um, – that, that's really not what Jeff Collins and his staff did early on with that. A lot of the um, the offers were like exploratory offers from them back then in terms of 
trying to stay in the mix and trying to um, really keep up with the other schools who had already offered. Uh, but these offers are more along the lines of your offer is null and void if you don't come to camp by such and such date. Now, would they ever you know, confirm that on the record? No, but would they take a commitment for many of these kids they're offering right now without seeing them camp? No. And I think that's such a important thing for, for people to realize that it's not Georgia Tech showing desperation by sending out new offers. It is inviting these out-of-state kids especially to come and work out in front of the coaches and do the activities that they want them to do rather than what their high school coaching staffs are looking for them to do. Yeah, I mean, I guess it makes some sense. It's it's such a weird thing, too. Now the numbers game is so different, right? Like the first couple of years they're signing, you know, in the 20s plus out of high school. You scale back to, was it 14 last year or 15 it ended up being? Maybe 16 at the most. Um, like, you know, probably, you know, 60% high school kids in the last cycle. And then the rest were transfers. Maybe it might even be higher than that. We'd have to look, but that changes. That's changed a lot of math. You're seeing teams that the, I would say the overall commitment numbers are down except for at the places like the wake forest of the world. Um, the schools that are very adamant, that they're taking just high school kids and not working the portal. Those schools numbers are up. But if you go look at like our top rivals rankings, for example, it's kind of funny, like who's at the top of them right now, uh, just because of the sheer volume of commits, like the number one team in the football for right now. Um, you know, I think that the first couple are probably the usual suspects, right? But then you dive into it and like Texas Tech is number two right now, which because they have 20 commits for 2023, right? Because they're taking a lot of kids. You know, Northwestern's in the top 10 right now because they have 14 commits. Northwestern had like 10 kids commit like in the last three weeks or something crazy. Um, so, you know, Wake Forest is 12, Baylor's 13. Like these are teams that are not going to be in the top 25 at the end of the year. So I think it's it's an interesting situation. I think it's the perfect storm too with, you know, some heat on the staff. You know, there's at worst, there's a ton of external pressure, right? Like, um, even if you don't necessarily believe there's internal pressure from Georgia Tech, there's a ton of external pressure right now. So it'll be interesting to see where um, where this spell gets broken. Like who's the first guy that commits, and you know, and then the, you know, I think there's some some preference here to not have it be like an out of state kid either. Like to have it be. Oh no, it can't be at this point. It it can't be. Um especially starting out so many uh, cycles consecutively with the, with the Florida kid. Um, it has to be a Georgia kid, especially with, um, with Kenyatta joining the staff with the departures in the recruiting department and just really the overall uh, turnover. They, they have reemphasized that the state of Georgia is the number one priority and they need to back those words with the action. Yeah, it's going to get interesting. You know, uh, the probably the most interesting thing for us to track will be the quarterback recruitment this summer. You know, the quarterback rooms literally completely changed in the course of what six months, basically. You go from 
they had was it they had Jeff Sims, Jordan Yates, Trad Beatty, Shaden Peary. And now you have <laughs> Jeff Sims is the only holdover. You have the two Zachs, Zach Pyron and Zach Gibson, the transfer from Akron. Nay of Tayson from Clemson. So that's like totally changed over. You have, you know, some other the running back rooms totally changed over, right? With Dante Smith as the lone holdover there. Um, so there's been, and, and then you have eight coaching staff changes too out of 10 on the field spots for assistance. So it's been pretty heavy duty. Um, or I'm sorry, seven. Um, because Thack, Key, and um, Larry Knight are back, but the rest of the staff changed out. And you had one guy come back who had been on the staff before, and Jason Seymour in a different, you know, staff assistant position type thing, GA. But it, it's just such a different thing. And someone was asking me on the radio the other day just to kind of handicap what I thought, you know, of the, I was like, I have no idea. Like, you watch the team play itself, you know, in practice there's just no way to tell, right. What's going to really happen. So I think a lot of people are kind of anxious to see that first game of the season, see where Georgia tech's at. I think there are some kids that'll jump in the boat just to, to be just because I don't, you know, I think in their spot right now, they're hoping they're not reservations. I don't think they want to be taking kids that are making reservations and not actual commitments. Um, I think that's held back some of this too. And then they're not wanting to totally drop kids either and get in that spot where they're having to lose kids. Um, they've been effective at doing that in the past when they've wanted to, but that's a lot of work, right? You got to, especially now with tight numbers to find someone to take a kid and cause they try to do it the right way, right? Like try to help the kid find a soft landing spot. If you, you part ways with them and it's hard with the number situation ever, everywhere right now. Like, it's just those type of things you have to be really cognizant of, and they're not in a position to, to create a, a lot of mess in terms of the recruiting trail. So they're having to be careful. And it's, uh, it's sort of the perfect storm. And then the NIL pieces and the inducements that are going on at places has really changed a lot of games. And, you know, it's funny. I had a guy on the radio ask me the other day, do kids talk about it? the last thing they were talking about to you or I is their NIL what money that they want or whatever, they're not, <laughs> they'd be out of their minds to mention that to us, but it, it is going on in the background. So that's something else that um, is a complicating factor. And th- those who have the money are doing well and, and have, um, you know, some good commitments and they're starting to piece their classes together. And some that are not as inclined in that word or can't take care of their kids yet um, are not doing as well. So it's going to be interesting to see, but I mean, the, I would say the overall commitment numbers are so far down from where they would be two years ago at this time. Like Alabama has four commitments. Texas A&M has five. Clemson has four. Like you wouldn't have seen that. You would have seen that like in January maybe of this year versus, you know, May right now. So I think it's all relative. Absolutely. So, um moving ahead just kind of with the rivals camp like what what were your thoughts from there oh, i was it was i was impressed i think you know it, it really showed the uh, the amount of depth that the the southeast has and the the 23 class whether it be the, the alabama kids who made the trip and, and really looked good or the um the state of georgia i mean the state of georgia had uh, quite a few kids who didn't end up making it to the camp but there's still, you know, such a, a solid amount. And 
the offensive line. I mean, when they were doing O-line, D-line, one-on-ones, the offensive line for the the first two sets of reps, I mean, that's a potential, like, that was a potential starting offensive line in a a Power 5 school when you had um, had Jatavius from uh, Villarica there, then you had uh, Raquez McKeldry from Alabama, who's committed to Georgia. Then you had Braden Joyner committed to Auburn at center. And then you had Madden Sanker at right, or that would be that'd be left guard. And then you had yeah, left guard. And then you had Johnny Williams at, at left tackle. I mean, all five of those kids are going to sign at a P five school. Absolutely. It was uh well, if if the if the right tackle can qualify. If the right tackle can qualify, he's gonna sign at a power five school. Um yeah, I think it's gonna be interesting to see what what happens there. But it was funny because there were less offensive linemen. So that group had to do double reps. And it was funny seeing some of those kids like have to go against them and just get stonewalled. There uh we went, I think it was so they do two reps each position going through the first 10 reps, which is that first group against the first group of elite D, D linemen, the D line won one snap in that first. Yeah. 10, that was when Keldrick Falk beat, uh, beat Shad- Shadavious yeah. Shivers. Yeah. So it, it was pretty funny to um, watch. That, and then, I mean, the, the quarterback play wasn't, wasn't exactly great. Um, I didn't really love the Virginia tech commit. Oh, Dylan Whitkey. Dylan Whitkey. Yeah. I, I continue to be impressed by the Woodward quarterback, Jalen Woods, but I'm not sure kind of what what his ceiling is in terms of where he'll end up and what, what offers he can, he'll end up with. But I think that a borderline P5 school should will come in and, and, and pull the trigger on him here in the, the next few weeks. Um, but other than that, you had Kamari McClellan, and then you had um, Juju Lewis, the really young quarterback from um, Georgia, both with Georgia Tech offers, uh, show out. I really liked Kamari. Uh, he's a 24 kid. Yeah, so I liked him last probably... summer. We had him at the uh, in the quarterback camp last summer at Georgia Tech, and he was great there. And that's when he got his yeah. tech offer, and I was really impressed. He was the best quarterback at that camp. Like, and you know, he was two years removed. He was two years away at that point, and he was better than kids that were in the other two classes ahead of him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He, he impressed. And when we, when he and I talked, he said that, um, you know, coach Brent Key had been at the the school earlier. So that would have been last week. And uh, that's when they pulled the trigger on the offer for the 23 kid from there from play. Um, so just, you know, continuing to, to work. Uh, Kamari looked good. Like I said, and then the running back um, Jordan Louise showed up, which was nice. A nice surprise. Um, really liked his his quickness. Um, really, really, really want to see uh, North Cobb running back Benjamin Hall in a a camp setting where he's either running a forty or or really just kind of running um, vertically, and maybe even show some agility on the side to side type thing. Um, big kid, because you know he's he's got the body that you need. Yeah, big kid. And uh, I mean, because you know, when you look at him, you're like, okay, I can see why he's committed to a Big Ten school. But when you start to watch him move, you're like, yeah, I don't know, he may be more of a you know ACC SEC type type back. And I know I'll, I'll catch hell for for mentioning the SEC on this podcast, but you know, the ACC and SEC are two totally different forms of football, in my opinion. 
than the type of football you see in the Big Ten. Um, Big Ten, absolutely. you'll, you'll well, have the Big Ten, backs. absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or even the yeah, Big Twelve. The Big Twelve is a different style too than those. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hmm. what did you? What were your thoughts? I I, I was kind of impressed with um, a lot of the DBs that I saw. Um, there were some really good plays made out there. I liked some of the slot guys I saw too. Vakari Swain was one that kind of caught my eye a little bit. Um, it, it was kind of interesting, you know. That's a tough setting for linebackers and tight ends and those kind of guys. It's not in, in certain styles of running backs. Um, it's not really a great scene for them either. But the quarterback play is definitely a little bummed about it seems to be kind of a down year uh, in Georgia for quarterbacks. And then, and I think that showed in the camp um, and, and, and not a great year really across the board. It's kind of top heavy and then really kind of falls off when you start to look um, at the whole quarterback class for 2023. So. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. I, I hate myself that I didn't mention it, but you know, Steven Johnson, uh, competed, competed, and competed. He was another one that they had to re- almost take him off the field. He was taking so many reps and um, kind of learning. He, he showed off a spin move a couple times and ended up being too many times. So when it came to the showcase, he got uh, stonewalled by Matt in there because he fit, kind of figured it out and knew it was coming. Um, but I was really impressed by him and um, really curious to see what, what ends up happening in terms of his recruitment, uh, whether or not any other schools come in or if it's going to gonna be Georgia Tech and Arkansas until the end. Because if it's Georgia Tech and Arkansas to the end, uh, I would probably have to give the advantage to Georgia Tech right now, especially being that they've been able to get him on campus multiple times and the um, relationship that, that he has with both, um, both D-line coaches as well as Coach Kenyatta Watson. The one guy I forgot to mention that really impressed me too was Justin Green, the 2024 defensive end from Mountain View. He was just a killer, man. He his first step was great, and he he was really good in drills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him and uh, Jaqueline Birdsong, the troop troop kid, both 24s. They both were really good, and um, I'm really curious to see what both their bodies look like once they start putting weight on. I mean, it was almost it was borderline unfair watching both of them because. You, know, you had the the rivals account tweeted out the the reps between Jaqueline Birdsong and Nikolai Brooks, I believe. Yeah, is the, yeah, yeah. yeah the, the big big private school offensive tackle, and before he could even set his get his feet set on the outside after the the snap, he was Birdsong was already past him, and then you know Green would just cut inside, and it was it, it was it was something. Um, because there's such a, a massive weight difference too. Yep. But you know, once those once those kids you know put some weight on, I think it'll be uh, very. It, it, I think it would be more of a better feel in terms of you know what the what the ceiling is for them. But but yeah, I mean, it, it's always fun to watch those those kind of things and and those reps. I mean, that's the the most competitive rivals camp I've seen from a offensive line defensive line standpoint probably since I was in Mobile a few years ago. I'd like to share a word with you now about our sponsor, Section 103, who bring you the best Georgia Tech clothes out there. Original, interesting clothing with the official Tech Gold and the official word mark and things that are hard to find anywhere else. I think it's the best uh, 
best tech apparel you can find on the interwebs. It's like the stuff that coaches wear. It's really cool. You get the AT, ATL logo that they have. Um, all the stuff super comfortable, super cool. And they even have youth sizes and women's clothes and, and are constantly adding things. I think uh, the guy who does it, I've gotten to know a little bit through uh, social media and he just does an amazing job. Jackets Online uh, subscribers can get a discount of 10% off their first order by using the code Jackets Online, all caps. And check out section103.com. Um, great website. They have all kinds of cool stuff. And, and, you know, people for years have been asking me for cool Georgia Tech designs, unique things. Um, and even the coaches are starting to wear that stuff. You know, Andrew Thacker is wearing uh, one of the shirts at practice, which I thought was really cool and something I pointed out, not knowing that it was one of these designs. So check out our sponsor, Section 103. Great, great company. Kind of switch gears here, wrapping up. GT Baseball wins uh, against Louisville, a really nice win after an ugly performance against Pitt. Kind of what are your expectations here in like a minute or so? Give me your expectations for regionals for Georgia Tech and what to expect. Uh, so for the – you said I got a minute. This is going to be tough. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, they, they really kind of crapped the bed a little bit against Pitt. Um, having just played them over the weekend and beating them three times. Uh, they It's really hard to beat the same team four days in a row or four days out of five. Um, but, you know, Grissom stepped up today. I didn't really mean much in terms of the uh, the season and then really the outlook, but it might boost their RPI a little bit. Uh, just really interesting to see where they end up in the in the field. I think they'll be a two, possibly a three. Um, and the, the latest, all the projections I'm seeing have them in Statesboro, which would be fascinating. In the borough for Georgia Tech baseball. Well, for Russell Johnson and Kelly Quinlan, this has been the Jackets Online podcast. Mm-hmm.